I wanted you all to open, if you can, this morning your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. I think we should have them up there. Um, But before I begin, I wanted to let you all know a little bit about myself. Um, By by the way, I just want to, I, uh, Daryl, Daryl and I were listening to a preacher this week. And after we got done, the preacher did such a great job. He goes, he do what you do. I was like, well, what's that? This guy was good, too. I said, what's he do? He goes, he just gets up there and tells stories about himself, and then he preaches the gospel. I'm like, okay. I walked away like, like, I don't know if that was a good thing or not. <laughs> he do what I do. That's, so that's, that's um, y'all know my secret now. Um. I want you all to know that I, Abby Todd, am a very self-confident person. I want you all to know that about me. I don't get jealous very easy. Um, I'm pretty content. I like what I have. Um, I have a lot of confidence in who I am as a person. I'm very trusting. I'm very open. I'm not very self-conscious until you take away what's important to me. Until you take away the money out of my bank account. Until you take away the praise. Until you take away the friends. Until you take away the admiration that I feel like people have for me sometimes. Until you take away things like, um, Abby, you want to go hang out? Until you take away things like, Things I take for granted like um, my family and my friends and my wife. You see, I'm a very self-confident person until I'm not. And I imagine it's just like that for you. In fact, I would go so far this morning to put forth this idea. Self-confidence is really a myth. I don't believe there's really, if you boil it down, I really don't think in objective terms there's really anything close to self-confidence. I think that contentment is the only thing that exists because that's all that the scriptures talk about and the only way to find contentment is in the living God. You see, I am mostly a content person when things are going well and then when things are not going well, I'm not very content. Today, I am a very self-confident person. Tomorrow, I may not be. Everything else other than godly contentment is fading, changing pride. And that's why this morning we're going to put forth the idea that God sends feast and famine upon us so that we would learn how to be content. Because we're not naturally content. And so if you stand for the reading of God's word... Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. And the Holy Spirit says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. 
I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In every, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let's pray. Father, uh, by your Holy Spirit and by your word, show us this morning how to be content people. Amen. You can have a seat. I'm just realizing right now that no one is sitting where they usually sit. and It's kind of tripping me out. The only person is Bill. Bill, you're my North Star, man. Don't move. Don't move. Don't move. I actually think Malloy's, maybe the Malloy's. Everyone else is not where they usually are. I don't know what the Washington's are doing over there. What are you doing over there? Get your butt back over there. Consistency, people, okay? I know we meet in a trailer, but Baptists need to be consistent. That's funny. Wow. There's somebody's not... Okay, this is not pointing very Whoa, what are the Stevensons doing over there? You can't even see me, can you? Wow, that's, something, that's guilt going on there. Pastorally, that's going to be a conversation later. Okay. Here is what I'm going to try to convey this morning. We learn contentment by facing our greatest shortages and our greatest abundance with the knowledge that Christ will supply our every true need. We learn contentment by facing our greatest shortages and our greatest abundance with the knowledge that Christ will supply our every true need. So in the context that we just read, Paul is talking about persecution. In fact, that's a common theme in the book of Philippians. See, we're at the end. We're in chapter 4. And Paul has been telling us that he's had to lose things and he's had to endure things for the sake of the gospel. And a few verses before the passage we just read, verses 6 and 7, he says this, Do not be anxious about anything, y'all know this, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So that right there alone should tell us that there's no such thing as a truly self-confident person because truly self-confident people don't pray. God guards our fragile hearts and our fragile minds by prayer. Prayer is an act of humility, folks. Prayer is an act by which I come to God and confess my helplessness before Him and say, I can't do it, I need you. Christians are not self-confident, they're God-confident. Christians are needy, broken, fearful people. We're sheep! And we're confessing our needs and our wants and our fears and our requests, and we're bringing them to God in prayer and saying, Daddy, help me, I need Jesus to be my peace, because I don't have it. God is our peace, God is our power, God is our protector. The Bible does not speak, per se, about self-confidence, but it does speak about contentment. The world will often feed you the exact opposite. The world likes self-confident people and says what? Don't be content. The problem is that not one human being on this earth is truly content, and not one single person on this earth has enough and doesn't want more than what they have. We've been through this the last three weeks. You may be a naturally calm person, 
Don't confuse personality here, okay? You may be an easygoing person. You may be a pretty laid-back person, but there is no such thing as a naturally content person on your own apart from the grace of God. And if you think so, you need to rethink who you are and why exactly you believe in the gospel. We always want things. We always need things. And the question is not, am I content? The question is, what do you want and how are you getting it? The Bible is very clear that we crave satisfaction and we are wanting to find it for ourselves. Jeremiah 2.13 says this, For my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And number two, they've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no Water. When you see a family that can take time to watch TV together, but they can't take time to read the Bible together, they're hewing out a cistern for themselves. When you see a family that can spend money on sports but can't tithe to the church, they've, they're saying, hey, this is our little cistern we've made. When you see people who can enjoy life but they can't really seem to enjoy it unless they're publishing it for the entire world to see on social media. They're saying, this is my cistern, but it's broken. We are not content people. We want to be content so badly. And God is telling us in Philippians 4 that there really is only one way to be a content person. Let's read verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. See, there's a word there in Greek... See, I'll pull the Greek out on you every once in a while. Monthano. You see, but that's not just any to learn. That's to learn by experience. Paul was not a content person. He had to what? He had to learn it. You have to learn contentment. It didn't come to Paul naturally. It wasn't something he was born with. Paul had to learn it by experience. And so do we. It's so important to Paul that he mentions learn again in verse 12. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So Paul had to learn contentment and he learned it after years of God molding him with the gospel. And he learned it after years of this. Raise your hand if your life feels like this sometimes. There you go. See, that's how God teaches you contentment. Being in need, not being in need. Being in need, not being in need. In fact, most of the people in this room, life is good, it's not good. My job's good, it's not good. The family's good, the family is not good. That's how our lives work. Paul is saying that the ups and downs in life are not random. God brings upon the ups and downs so that we would learn how to be content people because we're not by nature. Your goal in life as a Christian is not to survive. Your goal in life is to learn contentment. Are you a content person? Because if you are, you had to learn it. And if you didn't learn it, then you're not content. Have you ever met someone who's really high-low? Raise your hand. Someone who's like, they come, they come into work the next day and they're a completely different person. That's someone who hasn't found contentment. In fact, that's you and I without the gospel. 
there are times in my marriage where I feel like I'm the more um, steady one. Sorry, sorry, babe. <laughs> and then there's other days where I feel like I'm the one who's flapping in the wind and she's the steady one. That's because there are days when I'm sitting on my mountaintop where I'm like, ha, I'm content. And then there's the other days where I go, I don't, I don't like where I'm at right now. And God's going, that's because you have to learn it. Not because it's given to you. Contentment is a learned behavior. Verse 13, I can do all things through who? Christ who strengthens me. Paul says, I'm in need, but I'm really not in need because my supply doesn't come from my bank account or what people think of me or what people give me. It comes from him who strengthens me. Verse 13 is not the Tim Tebow verse, as it's been called. Nothing wrong with Tim Tebow. But my point is, Philippians 4.13 is not uh, for athletes who need to know how to win a game. It's not for people who need to know how to strengthen their family values. Verse 13 is about strengthening your faith in Jesus by pummeling you with feast and famine. I'll admit something to you all also. I hate making big purchases. I don't like it. If I had to live my whole life without making... I, 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 would, I, I really would like to live my whole life without buying anything over $100. I would. Because if it's over $100, I'm nervous. I don't like it. The first thing I do is go check the account and be like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to go poor. I think one of the reasons I don't like buying money, buying money, buying things is because I don't have the money to buy the things that I want. And I get so nervous. Kelly can tell you, I flip out sometimes. And I think what God is saying is, you dummy, I am your God with or without your house. I am your God with or without your car, without your TV, without your new stove. I am your God. I am your strength. Whatever your bank account says and whatever you think you're worth as a person, you have nothing without me. And today, tomorrow, whatever you have, I will be your Lord and your faith is in me and not that account. I'm going to tell you, I'm not a very materialistic person, but I guarantee you every single one of y'all on payday, you got a little bit, you build a little bit peppier on payday than when you are the day before payday. It shouldn't be that way. Your personality may be to not worry about it. But your personality has nothing to do with how content you are. And Jesus says that it's a sin problem. And it has an answer. On Calvary. See, Abi Todd can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Because of Christ, I can sacrifice my time, I can sacrifice my home, I can sacrifice my life, and he's going to take care of me. I can put God before my job, I can put God before my family, I can put God before everything, and God's going to take care of me. I can share Christ with my friend and put my relationship at risk, and he's going to be my peace. Because Christ isn't just my Savior, He's my daily bread. 
Contentment is a learned behavior, and we learn it by casting ourselves on Jesus when we have nothing and when we have everything. You know, one thing I've learned in the Todd house, I think Kelly and I succumb, and I guarantee you some of you do this as well. Kelly and I, I'm trying to move because I want the Stevensons to see me. Hold on. There we go, Stevensons. All right, now, now the mans don't see me. The, the Todds, I think sometimes we, Kelly and I, and I might be speaking more for myself than her, but we kind of succumb to this lie that is, well, there's normal, and then there's like the ups and downs. There's the really good times, then there's the really bad times, but most of life is just normal. I don't think that's true. See, if I look back at our life, there is very few days that are really normal. If I actually look back, most of our days are either high or low. And if you look at the text, Paul is not acting as if there is bad, normal, and good. In fact, there's only two modes, low or abounding, plenty or hungry, abundant or needy. If you live your life trying to maintain normal, normal will be your God. But if you live your life as if there is no set normal, you run to Jesus as your God. I think we should free ourselves of normal. Because Paul says, you got a normal? What is it? Because mine doesn't have it. Any and every circumstance is what Paul says. Every day, I'm either one or the other, Paul says. Today, if you feel like every day of your life, you're facing a new high or a new low, if you're, if you're, if you're talking to your wife and you're like, can we get a break? It, it had just been like this the whole time. If that's you, Paul says that you have an opportunity to trust in the living God because Jesus can be your strength in the plenty, in the abundance, in the hunger, in the need. Pity the person who doesn't know highs or lows in their life because they don't know the secret of contentment. It's time to get rid of language of self-confidence and start talking about being content in Christ Jesus. I'm not a self-confident person. I think the first domino to fall was getting married. Because I realized, hmm, now i got somebody who lives next to me who's poking at me, telling me that I'm not quite as righteous as I thought I was. I think that's a tool of sanctification. But I think also part of it is also being a part of a church. You know? I remember I had Robert Washington one time in small group. goes, man, you struggle with what I do. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, oh, no. I didn't think about that before. Well, that's the church. Because that's a lot easier to take. Your weaknesses don't look so weak when, they're in, when you're looking at someone who loves you. And they want what's best for you. And they want you to learn contentment. And see, because I'm content, I say, bring on the admonishment. Bring on the encouragement. Bring on the sharpening. Contentment is a learned behavior and we learn it in the church. Or we don't learn it at all. And the good news is that if you believe that Jesus is your portion and your shield, he will take care of your true needs. Verse 19 and 20. And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in Christ Jesus. I came up with this little slogan. It was good. A self-sustaining person gets the glory. A Jesus-supplied person gives God the glory. 
You can tweet that if you want. I had, I think I've told you all this before, I'm not sure. I had a neck injury when I was nine. Have we told this story before? Yeah, most of y'all know this. Um, played on a trampoline. Um, basically, we were not just playing on a trampoline. We were jumping off of a treehouse onto a trampoline. And uh, stupid things you do at nine. And jumped off. You know, what we were doing is you get to catapult yourself off. Well, I just jumped off, catapulted myself up, and then just came back down the bar and snapped my vertebrae, which is why I have a little neck thing like that. And I was thankful and, and very, very fortunate, the Lord's grace, because I was young enough that my vertebrae was still growing. So today I have full mobility of my neck, even though I have a little titanium clip on my C2 and my C3. Well, God has not let me live without a small reminder of my nine-year-old stupidity. See, I have full rotation. I couldn't play football. I couldn't join the military, but I was okay with that. But I have to take a very small pill every single day to make sure that I don't have a seizure. See, I'm an epileptic. And without that pill, I'm an invalid. I'm not a functioning member of society. With, with the pill, I'm a father, I'm a student, I'm a teacher, I'm a friend, I'm a husband. But without the pill, I'm all those things, but I'm... I'm down for the count. You see, every single day I have to come back to that pill to live. It's like that little thorn that God says, there you go. You're not that strong. In fact, you're actually nothing without modern medicine. I think that's exactly what it's like living as a Christian. You see, God's grace in the gospel isn't just like a surgery that you have where you get sewn up and then you get to go out and live again. God's grace is actually like a little pill that you have to come back every single day and say, I need it or I won't live. I need it or I can't breathe. I need it or I can't function. The gospel is not a train ticket. The gospel is your lifeline. The gospel is your strength. And prayer is how we go back to the living God, our great physician, and say, fix me. And I really hated taking that pill when I was little. <laughs> In fact, I'd skip it sometimes. My mom would get real mad at me because I have a seizure. And now you better know I take it all the time. In fact, it really gets on my nerves when my wife reminds me. But faith is like coming to the doctor every single day. I need another one. And if you don't live your life like that, then what you have can hardly be defined as faith. Faith is a daily walk, and it is a daily coming back to, I need your strength and I need your peace because I have none on my own. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
We learn contentment by facing our greatest shortages and our greatest abundance with the knowledge that Christ will supply our every true need. The reason I put in true there is because I really believe in America we have no idea what a need is. Your car is not your need. Your phone is not your need. Your marriage is not a need. And your family ain't even a need. Christ is your only need. In fact, I love a really good funeral. Someone who does a really good funeral always makes sure the people sitting out there understand you're going to be here one day. And you're going to be as naked as you were when you came. There is no need other than our spiritual yearning to be content. There is no other need in this life than to abide in the vine which is Christ. Feast or famine, brought low or abounding, facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, Jesus is our only strength. But Jesus isn't just meeting a need. Read uh, Romans 8, 32, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also give us graciously all things? So Jesus won't just meet your need. Christ wants to give you the kingdom. We don't need the world. We don't need the fleeting pleasures of the earth because what they have, it doesn't compare with what Christ is willing to give us if we would but believe in the gospel. See, I'm not just coming back to the Lord for a pill. In the end, God's going to give me a lot more than life. He's going to give me himself. And there is no greater gift than the living God. This morning, if you have never found contentment in your life, if you're still searching, if you've reached the point where you got what you wanted, but now you're still not happy, there is a secret for facing hunger and plenty, abundance and need, and it is the gospel of Jesus. This morning, I invite you to come. I will be standing in the back. Y'all know this ain't a very big church. So it's like I got all the time in the world to talk. You're not bugging me. I'm always here, and the time to believe in Jesus isn't just down at the altar. It's any time. Do that now.